afternoon. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, January 6th. Well, starting with the price action for the week, corn was down four cents, closing at 460. Beans were down 42 cents, closing at 1256. Cotton was down a penny, closing at 80. And wheat was down 12 cents on both contracts, closing at 628 in Chicago and 640 in Kansas City. Not surprising, managed money were massive sellers of soybeans this week, uh, moving their position from long five or six to now short 12. Trade has them short roughly 20,000 contracts of soybeans now after being long roughly 90,000 in November. So a massive shift in managed money's view in soybeans here over the last, call it 45 days. Corn, they added 20,000 contracts back to their short position. They're now short close to 200,000 contracts. And in wheat, they added back um, uh, 3,000 contracts short, putting them now short 121,000 contracts. And in cotton, modest additions to their short position. They're now short 4,500 contracts. Uh, the, I guess the fundamental news for the week was uh, drops in Brazilian production by many trading houses within Mexico and a number of private analysts here in the United States. Uh, Ag Resources dropped their crop to 150. Uh, Stonex dropped it to 152.8. Dr. Cordonier dropped it to 151. And a number of uh, houses within Brazil have dropped it into the low 150s. Remember, the USDA right now is at 161 on the size of the Brazilian crop. Uh, there were a number of analysts within Brazil that dropped their numbers to 130. So what we have going into the government report is an extraordinarily wide range of crop estimates now on the Brazilian crop size for soybeans. Uh, they did get some rain here over the last week that has tempered some of the enthusiasm of the scale of the losses, but I think the market has largely confirmed that we've lost quite a bit of crop. Uh, the question is now, you know, once we get into harvest on those early beans that seem to suffer the most, what are the yields? I think uh, the consensus uh, by the private analyst is starting to drift a lot closer to 140. That's where I am. Ultimately, I think once we confirm that, we'll realize how tight, fundamentally tight the balance sheet is. But right now, the managed money does not care. They are massive sellers of soybeans, and that's what's been driving the price action of soybeans here over the last 45 days. Um, remember, too, that not only did they only get half the normal rain in the month of December, but then they were running roughly 5 to 10 degrees above normal on temperatures. Uh, so we're going to have to keep an eye on the, the yield results. But there's no doubt about it that not only are the balance sheets getting tighter globally on beans with these crop losses, but right behind it will be crop losses on corn as the drought continues to stay very deep in a number of areas and the profitability of planting corn in Safrina is not there. So we're going to lose acres and most likely lose a fair amount of yield. Right behind that will be cotton. Uh, cotton is certainly a lot more drought resistant, but if the weather pattern stays locked in, that's uh, been driving this thing through November and December, if that stays locked in in January, February, and March, sometime this spring, we're going to have to be start talking about crop losses on cotton in Brazil, but we're a long ways away from that discussion. Jumping over to the macro picture here, uh, the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, uh, you know, made highlights this week by officially declaring that the market has uh, orchestrated a soft landing 
It's very rare to kill inflation with high interest rates, but then not kill the job market. And they seem to, in their words or in their minds, have accomplished that goal. So we'll see in the long run um, whether they are, uh, you know, that's accurate or not. In the meanwhile, the jobs number were relatively mixed. We had a good uh, surprise on Friday uh, with a, a good jobs uh, number and then a, a low unemployment rate that seems to be hovering around 3.7%. Historically, that's very, very low. Average hourly earnings were up about 4%. But, you know, uh, what, what is not shown in the data is the mix of jobs. We're losing private sector jobs. We've lost about a million and a half here in the last three months. And the gains that we're seeing are in the service sector. Government jobs are, are up dramatically and healthcare jobs are up dramatically, which are directly result of government um, funding as well. So we seem to be drifting lower on the private sector and higher on government jobs. So, uh, you know, that trend uh, that has been in place for a while continues pretty dramatically. So now the question is, you know, in the open market, when will the first rate cut take place? We went from pricing in a 90% probability of a rate cut in March. That has dropped in the market here within the last week now down to 60%. Uh, and of course, unfortunately, unemployment is always backwards looking. And so, you know, that's always a tough metric to gauge the health of economy. Uh, in China, they've announced a $600 billion stimulus package to get their economy kickstarted. They have had a very slow post-COVID res uh, response uh, in their economy, and so it looks like their government is going to kick in and start uh, throwing some money around to try to help stimulate their economy. Uh, the Russian-Ukraine continues to grind on, but some of the, the uh, artillery strikes seem to be heavier and heavier in nature, and, and just massive infrastructure loss continues to be the case. We did approve another $250 million in aid to Ukraine, so our financial commitment continues to be strong uh, in that war there. Uh, in the Middle East, the concern is now moving away from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to now the Houthis, which are again... Uh, a guerrilla group that is attacking freight in the Red Sea and in the Gulf of Aden, a commercial freight, and that is now forcing cargo to now move uh, from going <clears throat> through those straits and moving, taking the long way around, uh, around Africa uh, and through the Indian Ocean. So rerouting a fair amount of global trade that is uh, starting to raise freight rates and bring concern about possible inflation <clears throat> back into the picture. The U.S. military has responded on their own with counterattacks of some of these Houthi positions and rebels uh, attacking some of their boats. And then we've even gone into some positions within Iran. That was always seemed to be the magic line and concern for the market was would we you know, make direct strikes in Iran? Uh, Iran also had a terrorist bombing attack within their country. Uh, there was a celebration of the killing of one of their generals. And a suitcase bomb went off, killing a bunch of people there, too. So the Middle East strife seems to be uh, getting heightened, but you certainly would not know it in the commodity markets. Crude oil has been relatively flat. Uh, commodities overall have been relatively flat. So the geopolitical risk between Ukraine and the Middle East has certainly not been priced in and has probably been taken out of most of these markets. Crude oil has seen uh, demand remain very, very resilient with these lower prices. Uh, supply has been very stable, uh, you know, here, especially here in the U.S. with growth there. Uh, Iran continues to pump a lot of oil out, even though they are directly responsible for a lot of these terrorist attacks 
There have been no sanctions put on Iran. That seems to confuse a lot of the political pundits, but uh, call it what you want. Uh, there have been you know, no, no unstabilizing uh, factors on the supply side of crude oil. So for now, the range of crude oil prices is between $70 and $85 a barrel. Uh, and if there were an escalation in geopolitics, uh, any kind of war or any escalation in the Middle East, it would quickly jump to $100 a barrel. So since we're at the low end of the trading range, make sure that you uh, continue to be long and stay long fuel as out, far out as you're comfortable, especially since we're in the lower end of the ranges here. So stay, stay long fuel. Uh, in summary, if I add up sort of the scale of what I'm seeing uh, with the geopolitics, with the macro and with the fundamentals and technicals, my targets have not changed. I'm still looking for a move to this 525, 550 area in corn still looking for $14.50 to $15 in soybeans, still looking for a move to $7.50, $8 in wheat, and ultimately a test of $0.90 cents in cotton and eventually a breakout. The million-dollar question and the frustrating part about this has been when. Uh, we have normal seasonals that would have told us that this rally should have started in November in grains, should have started in December in cotton, and that normal seasonal trade accelerates into March uh, with a small pullback. And then ultimately we peak into the late spring, call it April or May. And that's typically when we peak in most of these markets. Managed money flow speculators have been bucking that trend. And they have actually been expanding their short positions, getting shorter and shorter into what is a normally seasonal bullish trend. In fact, they've only in five times through the history of these markets have been selling commodities for eight consecutive weeks. So they've only done that five times. And this is the stretch that we've seen basically all of November, all of December. So even though the crops are getting smaller in Brazil and both corn and beans and the balance sheets getting tighter and geopolitical risks seem to be escalating, managed money doesn't care. Their metric, their view of the world has them getting shorter and shorter commodities. And that's created this frustration, this anxiety of why fundamentally do we see one thing and why is the price action doing something else? Remember, we talked briefly about the pattern and what this looks like in the video update called a falling wedge. A falling wedge is a very long period of consolidation after what is a very strong bullish impulse. It is nothing more than a corrective impulse in a bullish market. It's actually considered a bullish pattern. It's just that this particular falling wedge has been very long, very drawn out. Uh, it is highlighted by a final uh, crescendo, sort of a breakdown uh, of that uh, wedge where it sits in a small, narrow, consolidative pattern for an extended period of time. And so the longer this falling wedge uh, plays out, the more energy gets built, the more uh, of you know, anxiety there is, the more frustration there is, kind of exactly where we are right now. But when you do break out, you do release a lot of energy, and the corrections are, are typically pretty violent back to the upside. The question, again, the million-dollar question is, when do we correct? And the answer is, I don't know. But I can tell you that based on what I'm seeing in the pattern, based on the scale of the shorts by managed money, it, you know, the million-dollar question is, what is the catalyst? The answer is we don't know. Uh, it could be a switch in the sentiment of the U.S. dollar. <clears throat> Does the Federal Reserve language get more aggressive on rate cuts in March? Do they surprise the market? 
does that force manage money to flip their position? Is it a normal business cycle? Does that flip the narrative? Are geopolitics in uh, the, the flip? You know, does a war escalating in the Middle East cause that flip? Fundamentals, if we end up burning up the Brazilian corn and bean crop here in January and February, uh, does a USDA report, does their view, it could be literally any one of these things or a small combination that would ultimately flip the narrative um, and, and, and be the catalyst that flips these markets higher. I believe we're relatively close. I do believe that when we do flip, that the impulse is going to be very strong. Again, looking for that move to 560 on corn within the next several months. The long-term target on this wedge is closer to 6, 620. Uh, in beans, the short-term impulse is to 1450, $15. The longer-term impulse is to 16, $17 in beans, if you believe in this technical pattern. Wheat, the short-term impulse is again to $8. The long-term move is back to $10, $11 in wheat. And in cotton, the short-term move would be a test of that $0.90 cent area and ultimately a breakout getting back above a dollar. All of these targets are very reasonable. They're not anything uh, too crazy. Uh, and we would uh, take advantage of those moves and do some marketing and then have to take a look at the fundamentals and see how far out we want to market how much we want to market, and whether we want to consider start dipping into uh, some 2024 crop sales. So until then, uh, these are the updates. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon.